The Evolution of Really Bad Science. Let's talk about it on this episode of Pushback. If you're concerned about the direction our culture is heading, then maybe it's time to push back. Hello and welcome to this episode of Pushback. I'm Dr. Johnny, and today we're going to talk about science. Now, I know when people hear the word science, their eyes tend to glaze over and they get a little drool in the corner of their mouth but I really am going to ask you to lean into this topic today because I believe it's critical really to every aspect of culture and so important to me personally, and I know it will be to your family as well. It's so important that we can discuss science and this issue of evolution and have the right discussion. For too long, we have bent the knee to science. And I believe that Because of that, secular scientists in our generation have actually taken advantage of us and have actually fraudulently represented the study of science itself. Now, I'm not a big conspiracy theory kind of guy. In fact, I'm quite the opposite. I'm a scientist. I have a doctorate in medicine, and I love science. And when I grew up in school, I couldn't really think of doing anything else other than science because I loved the study of biology and ultimately medicine, and I made a career out of it. And I, I, I have such passion about science and, and the way that we approach science. They often say that medical school will do one of two things. You can't leave medical school uh, neutral. What I mean by that is it'll either draw you further from God because you become intoxicated with knowledge and human achievement, and you end up placing yourself on the throne. Or you will become closer to God because you will become undone by his complexity and the magnificence of the human body and his creation. There's no middle ground. You will leave affected one way or the other. I know my experience was the latter. As I I learned about the the detail and the the, uh, unbelievable unbelievable complexity of the human body. And I was astonished and overwhelmed. Today, it seems that evolution is now presented as fact. You walk into a museum and you see the dinosaur bones and it says, you know, millions and billions of years ago. And it says it as fact uh, with a period at the end. It's presented with such certainty that you would think that it's a law of science. Well, is it a law? Well, if you're listening on a podcast, you're going to hear a thumping sound. If you're watching on YouTube, you're going to see me with this ping pong ball in my hand. I'm going to drop this ball on the table and hopefully I don't drop it. I pick up the ball about a foot off the table and I drop it and it bounces right back up into my hand. It falls to the table, bounces back into my hand. What you're viewing is the law of gravity. I can drop this ball for the rest of my life uh, sitting here at this table 
and it will continue to drop. It will continue to drop. It's the law of gravity. The law, uh, the definition of law is something that's reproducible and observable in nature. And, and so we can, we can observe this and we can take it to the bank that this is the law of gravity. Think we're all comfortable with that. There is a second law of thermodynamics. Now, don't let your eyes glaze over here, okay? I'll just hit on this briefly. Uh, but there's a factor in this law called entropy. E-N-T-R-O-P-Y. It's entropy. And it's a law of physics, the second law of thermodynamics. And it's indicating that the whole universe of matter is running down and ultimately will reduce itself to uniform chaos. <laughs> It's, it's a law, it's observable, and it's unquestionable in the realm of science. Interestingly, though, the law of increasing entropy is a universal law of decreasing complexity. Hmm. Decreasing complexity. Whereas evolution in the realm of biology is supposed to be a universal law of increasing complexity. Well, it doesn't really make sense, does it? See, evolution is not a law of science. In fact, it violates scientific law. Well, that's a very simplistic but very powerful example. I can sit here for two or three hours and give you different examples of the holes in evolution. And yet it's presented like it's scientific law. It couldn't be further from the truth. So is it a fact? Well, here's the definition of fact. In the most basic sense, a scientific fact is an objective and verifiable observation, like the ping pong ball dropping, right? That's a fact. It's objective and verifiable. Well, let's talk about evolution. Nope, it doesn't even live up to this definition. See, you say, now, wait a minute, wait a minute. What about the birds of Galapagos Island that Darwin was observing? And they had all this variation and adaptation that took place in their environment. There was changes that was visibly seen within the species of birds. Or what about dogs? There's all these different variations of dogs. Well, my friends, that's called microevolution. And that is just random shuffling within the genetics of a species. You can have hundreds of variations of dogs. But guess what? At the end of the day, they're still dogs. They don't change species. In fact, we've never ever observed one species changing into another. If there was macroevolution, the changing of one species into another, which is the backbone of the evolutionary thought, we should see millions of years of hybrid in-between transitional type animals in the fossil record. We don't see any. Just the kinds of species that we would expect to see. These are just a couple examples that, that blow holes in the evolutionary theory. It's not a law. It's not a fact. Well, is it a theory? I just said evolutionary theory. What about, what about a theory? Is that fair? Can we call it an evolutionary theory? Well, a theory is a scientific theory is a well-substantiated explanation of some aspect of the natural world. Uh-oh based on a body of facts that have been repeatedly confirmed through observation and experiment. There we go again. The evolutionary theory doesn't even hold up to the word theory. Okay, how about philosophy? 
What's the definition of philosophy? The study of the theoretical basis of a particular branch of knowledge or experience. Well, maybe that's getting a little bit closer. Is evolution just a philosophy? Okay. What about the word religion? Religion is a set of beliefs concerning the cause, nature, and purpose of the universe. Ooh, we might have just nailed it. Is it possible that when we are talking about evolution, that we're just talking about an alternative religion? See, the science of evolution, my friends, is really bad science. Now, I know this is going to get everybody up in the air and say, now, wait a minute, there's books and there's things written and there's museums about evolution. But hear me in this. Evolution is a worldview. See, evolution started with a premise that there cannot be a God. That's what it started with. Darwin himself, who was an injured, angry man, he set out on a venture with the theory, with the premise, with the starting point, with a worldview that there cannot be a God. See, their scientific measures that do not confirm the worldview, but conform to the worldview. You say, what about carbon dating? What about these measures? Well, these are measures that have actually been used based on presuppositions that the world is millions of years old. They don't confirm evolution. It just conforms to the worldview of evolution. Now, in all fairness, creation is also at best a theory. Now, that might also get some feathers ruffled. Now, I say that scientifically speaking, we have an ancient text that actually gives us an account and even often firsthand testimony of a historical event. But for some reason, that is dismissed. But scientifically speaking, we weren't there. We weren't there at creation. We weren't there at the origin of human life. So we are also making a theory about our creation beliefs. That's fair. So people say, well, there's evidence for creation and there's evidence for evolution. But no, I would say that there's the same evidence. It's all the same evidence. We are just interpreting the evidence through different lenses of our worldview. So because of this, because evolution, in my opinion, is just really bad science, I believe that we have an alternative we have an alternative theory, if you would, about where we've come from and why we're here. And it's critically important. And because I believe that the secular scientists have taken advantage of us and have fraudulently pushed through this idea of evolution, at best a philosophy, at worst a religion, and has pushed it through to us, there have been consequences to this. And I believe that there have been five groups that I want to address in the remainder of this podcast that have been directly affected by this evolutionary mindset, this evolutionary worldview. Number one, I want to address scientists. I am one. And I am talking 
mostly to Christians through this podcast. But if you are a secular scientist or if you have been sent to this podcast from a Christian, then I would ask you to consider this. It's possible that you have been indoctrinated into a religion. It feels scientific, but it isn't backed up well by science. And, and you, you may have noticed that the rhetoric has become nasty. And if you have heard my podcast on honor, oftentimes when rhetoric becomes nasty, it's because we are uncertain about the position that we have. And we begin name, we begin name calling an inflammatory language to try to back down others. I believe a lot of this inflammatory rhetoric actually started in 2006 in the November 13th copy of Time Magazine, which headline read, God versus Science. Now, on the face of it, you may say, well, that's a pretty benign heading and maybe open the discussion uh, to deeper things of evolution versus creationism. But no, I would say that was an inflammatory rhetoric because, my friends, God is science. I mean, let's be real here. God created everything. There was a recent debate between the founder and president of the Creation Museum and Answers in Genesis, Ken Ham, and Bill Nye the Science Guy. And, and the premise of the debate was, is Christianity a reasonable thing to be taught as an alternative to evolution. It's interesting because Bill Nye's argument repeatedly is that if we believe in God, that will actually kill science. Bill Nye, I think that's the furthest thing from the truth. It is when we discover science, it's science on steroids when we discover it from a Christian worldview. Because not only... (laughs) Do we learn the what and the how, but we learn the why. We explore the majesty of his creation and discover all his ways. And and we can discover how, how those ways, those scientific truths, actually can bring us a better life. I don't think believing in God shuts down science at all. I think it ramps it up. I'm a physician. I want a cure for cancer. We can find it by exploring his creation. I believe he wants a cure for cancer. And in his creation, there are answers. And we as scientists get to be active participants in his creation. So this is a call to scientists. Any self-respecting scientist, it is time that we take evolution and we run it through the filter of science and see what comes out. See, I wouldn't say God versus science. I would probably say creation science versus really bad science. But that's not very nice, so I probably won't call it that. But, all right, I'm reasonable. Let's call it the theory of evolution. I think that's, I think that's pretty gracious. The theory of evolution versus the theory of creation. Let's have a discussion. Let's talk about it. The only reason that secular scientists wouldn't want to debate that issue is the uncertainty of their position. And here's the deal. Let's make them defend their position. 
they, they, they mock and scorn us when we say, well, we believe in creation because we believe in God. And they go, oh, it's some magical, mysterious man up in heaven that has created everything. But they're the ones that's teaching this as fact. Let's make them defend it. Defend it from a scientific position. The second group I want to discuss is public school. You know, public school has a real problem today. And let's define that problem. In their science classes, public schools are teaching a lifeless, purposeless, hopelessness existence to every child every day. They are teaching them that their life formed out of some primordial soup and that they are a result of simply time plus chance. Then, at the same time, the administrators of the school want the children to live with respect and hope and purpose and adhere to some sort of moral code towards themselves and towards one another. (laughs) My friends, I know this is an inflammatory statement, but why is there an increase in mass shootings in school? It's not because of lack of gun control. It's not because of video games. It's because we are raising children without value for life. This is a real problem. And of course, the only answer is a real scientific alternative. A real scientific alternative theory to their existence. And let them choose. Come on, public school, what are you afraid of? See, kids aren't stupid. They understand what they're being taught, and they're understanding the consequences of what they're being taught. Which leads us to the next problem, and the next group of people. And that's pastors and church leaders. I believe pastors have become intimidated by the inflammatory rhetoric from scientists, and because of this, they have compromised the word of God. See, pastors aren't scientists. They don't have to be. But because of this, they've ignored the first 12 chapters of Genesis, or at least have compromised what it says. Now remember, kids aren't stupid, pastors. They're going to school and they're being taught one thing about why they're here on this earth. And then they go to church and they're hearing a watered-down version Are they hearing nothing at all about the first 12 chapters of Genesis of why they're here on this earth? And if they get a manipulated version of Genesis, then what about the rest of scripture? If Adam and Eve weren't real, then what about the flood? What about Jonah? Got swallowed by a fish. Did that really happen? We can go down the slippery slope, the domino effect of this problem in our churches all the way to we say, what about Jesus? Hey, this guy was dead for three days. And the very centerpiece of our faith and religion is the fact that he rose from the dead three days later. That could be scientifically hard to believe. See, if we're intimidated and we feel like there's some sort of scientific burden or law that goes against the Bible, then we've actually diminished the Bible entirely. Well, I have an important public service announcement for all pastors and Christian ministry leaders. Are you ready? There is no such burden. 
evolutionary science is really bad science. And I'm, I'm a scientist. Take it from a scientist. Over the next several years, I would love to, to sprinkle out these podcasts that will give you more information, more talking points that you can use. But each talking point is, is simply to solidify your faith in the truth and the authenticity of the word of God. So pastors, you don't need to be a science expert. Just preach the word of God with all your heart and know that from the beginning to the end, there is scientific truth that backs up every bit of scripture. So preach it as it's written. Every word. So pastors, please hear me in this. And I believe that this will give you confidence from the pulpit. It takes way more faith to believe in evolution than to believe the Bible. It's okay to have discussions with people in your congregation or even secular world about science. You don't have to be a science expert. You can just say, hey, I don't know how to speak the language, but I do know about a podcast. <laughs> you can direct them to my podcast as I release more information about, about where we stand from creation versus evolution. Answers in Genesis is a wonderful resource to tap into regarding even the debate between creation and evolution. It's excellent. The fourth group I want to address are parents. Every parent must be proactive to push against the errant secular teaching. You need to challenge your school. We aren't helpless victims of this culture. This isn't God versus science. This is about teaching real science. And as parents, we need to demand that our school address this issue. Be informed and have frequent discussions with your children so that they are aware. They are aware of the teaching and they are aware when they are indoctrinated with this errant teaching. One day we were traveling out east and we went to Smoky Mountain National Park. And we went to a, an interactive uh, in, um, information visitor center that they had at the entrance to the park. And my son was in the front row as well as the rest of the family was with him. And there were about 30 people in this theater watching a introductory video to the park. And of course, the park starts with, you know, millions and millions of years ago, the Smoky Mountains were formed. And as soon as this happened, my son, who was maybe 12 years old at the time, loud enough for the whole room to hear, said, whatever. We laughed really hard, but he saw this as being presented as fact when it was really nothing more than evolution theory. So parents, teach your children so they are aware when they come up against this. Be proactive in your school. The fifth group I want to address are the children themselves. Kids, I've said this a couple times already. You aren't stupid. Worldview matters. I want you to be proactive in what you're being taught and what you are learning both at school and at church. Write down the word entropy and bring it to your high school teacher. Ask them open-ended questions. Make them defend their position. Don't be surprised if a term like leap of faith or aliens come up in discussion. Because it's bad science. They're grasping at straws. 
And they're going to say things like, well, everything is possible if given enough time. That's the evolutionary answer to everything. It's because they don't have scientific answers. You don't have to defend your position as a creationist because that's not what is being taught at school. They need to defend their position as evolutionists. Ask them pointed questions. Make them defend themselves. See, this evolutionary discussion has consequences. And I could talk to, for hours about the consequences that come from evolutionary teaching. We have a real race problem in our culture right now. Well, guess what? Darwin felt like the aboriginal people of Australia were less evolved people, followed by the Africans, and the Caucasians were the highest evolved that's not talked about very much, is it? Could it be that our race relations are getting worse because we actually believe that we're all evolved down a different tree? Adolf Hitler, he felt like the Aryan race was the highest evolved race and the Jews were rats that needed to be exterminated. It's the result of evolutionary thinking. I'm not calling all evolutionists Hitler, don't get me wrong. But there is a progression, a mindset that is connected to evolutionary thinking. When a baby becomes a fetus that's just tissue, it's a result of an evolutionary mindset. It's survival of the fittest. My pleasure is all that matters. And there's no moral code. That's scary stuff for our culture. This is why it matters. Our worldview matters. Our origins matter. I'm going to give you more speaking points, and I'm going to talk about this many times in the future because I'm passionate about it. Hopefully you feel my passion. This is critically important, not only to us, to our families, to our children, and to generations to come. So now let's go together to set and shape the culture. 